yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time imon irok the yen of chacht erachor. Agus suligam a makan sha gurfeder erachor inuik kiart len of winter fein. Skilti fis turmi. Tashe dochretche nach vetoch ara egornamian on kestchen ekol. Vien talam aginam griv arkar nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Hello and you're welcome to the Big Tech Show podcast with me, Adrian Wackler, the tech editor of the Irish Sunday Independent. This week we're going to talk about taxis and getting around the city. And I am joined by Alan Fox, who's the general manager of Free Now, which used to be called My Taxi, which used to be called Halo, which is only seven years old, but it is now currently going through a rebrand from My Taxi to Free Now. Um, Alan, welcome to the podcast, first of all. Thanks for having me on. I'm going to get to... A lot of the stuff that you're uh, rolling out at the moment, such as a new ride-sharing mechanism within the app. First, I have to ask you about the rebranding. This is the second rebranding in two years from My Taxi to Free Now. I mean, why rebrand now? Yeah, well, it goes back to a change, I guess, in our ownership structure. Uh, back in January this year, um, we became the majority shareholder became a joint venture between BMW and Daimler, um, and they took the decision to... Uh, rebrand the entire organization across uh, 11 different markets and over 100 different cities to the Free Now brand. And as part of that, that the Free Now is only part of sort of the new Now Mobility Group, which yeah. includes a number of other brands operating in other markets. Now they don't operate here. Well, why yet. the word free? Yeah, it's it represents freedom as opposed to no cost. I'm, 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 ah, yeah, yeah. I know that may be disappointing, but it, free now. Yeah, and the intention behind it is because uh, is to illustrate our sort of future vision for the for the brand, which is to move away to obviously ca- taxis will always be core to what, everything we do, but to also, uh, I suppose. Uh, guide a path towards a, a future where there's multiple options, mobility options available to passengers through uh, one application. Um, and that's, I suppose, free and now. So again, the, the, the word, the term free now, I'm trying to think of Google results and trying to think of in conversation. It seems a little awkward. I'm going to take a free now app. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I think from from uh, in terms of branding, the name obviously uh, seems a little uh, odd at the beginning, but really that's the same with every new brand uh, to a greater and lesser extent. What really matters is what that brand means to people over the com- what w- what it will mean to passengers over the mm. coming months and years. And I think now you're only in the door about a year. Aren't you're you? coming up to a year and a half. Year yeah. and a half. Yeah, but 
rebranding from My Taxi, which itself was a rebrand a couple of years ago, because mm-hmm. the Halo app was a very successful app in Ireland. Ireland was one of its uh, best performing countries. I interviewed the co-founders uh, many times and your predecessor here. And then it became My Taxi. And it has had some teething issues. We'll you know get into that. But within then two years to rebrand it again to Freena, I mean, from a marketing point of view, I hear what you're saying. Technically, it's a little bit of a mess, though, that it's it's happening so quickly. Well, I, I'm glad you pointed out that Halo is a success, and my taxi has been an even greater success. We've grown our passenger and driver base numbers very significantly since the Halo transition. Now, it is true to say that when we transitioned from Halo to my taxi a couple of years back, that we did have some technical problems, and that was because we were undertaking Europe's biggest ever uh, app migration, where we migrated hundreds of thousands of passengers and tens of thousands of drivers across from one platform to another. So it wasn't just a simple rebrand, it was actually a technical migration also. Now, thankfully, from from that perspective, this time around, it will be different because this is very much just a a rebrand and there's no technical migration. So, um, as I say, the rebrand itself is there to offer um, a distinctiveness and consistency across 100 different cities, 11 different countries, so that when you land in, say, Germany, Poland, Spain, Lisbon. You'll still be able to use the app. You'll still be able to use the app exactly the same as you do. Will there still be a cancellation fee of five euro under the free now? The cancellation fee that we uh, announced about six or seven weeks ago will apply. Now, you know, a couple of things on that. So um, first of all, we hope nobody will ever be charged that cancellation fee. The reason we're introducing it is to align ourselves, first of all, with the market. So all of our competitors pretty much uh, charge the same thing. Um, but also to change behave, some behaviours for uh, certain groups of customers. So if you can imagine a situation where on a Saturday night, you know, four people leave a restaurant at the same time, all four hail a taxi in the hope of increasing their chances of getting mm-hmm. a taxi, that means we have four taxis inbound to that location, and that's three other passengers who won't get a taxi because those taxis are all allocated to those four passengers. So what we're trying to do is really just change that sort of behaviour so that we can improve the efficiency of the fleet um, and improve our pickup rate, particularly at peak times. Um, most passenger cancellations actually happen, about 50, over 50% happen between Friday and Saturday when our fleet is most under pressure. And as I say, we hope to never charge this, and any money we do get from it will be reinvested in passenger discounts and vouchers. So we're not profiting from this, it's simply to improve the efficiency uh, of our fleet and to allow more passengers at peak times in particular to get access to our services. You gave some metrics some time ago about average waiting times mm-hmm. uh, and also um, cancellation rates. Uh, what you've just alluded to there, do you have any metrics you can share in terms of how many times uh, a taxi is cancelled? Well, what we what, what I can share with you is the um, in terms of passenger cancellations, you mean? Well, actually, both. Yeah. So on the driver cancellations, I, the team have been working really hard to get that to get that number down. It is a source of frustration for passengers, um, for sure. But we have been working really hard. And if you look at our, can you say roughly? Yeah. Well, what our, that pre, is? our pre our pre-board cancellation rates have dropped by seventy percent uh, for the six months to date versus the same period last year. From what to what? I can't give you that number because it's it is it, it is confidential. But what I would confidential, say, confidential. You choose to make it confidential. It's, commer- yeah. it's, commer- it's commercially sensitive. So okay. what what I what so I, I don't understand. But it has improved. We've reduced the number by seventy percent year on year, which has meant a better service for our customers um, across the and board. And what was the issue there? What was going on when a driver cancelled? 
Well, I mean, it could be that the driver, yeah, I'd be speculating, there's, there's any number of different reasons. But one reason, for example, would be that maybe somebody sticks their hands out on the street and the driver might decide. But what is it then that you did that improved? Right, okay, so we've, we have a range of programs in the background operating. I mean, they're not something that we, we publicize too much, but for example, we would offer driver incentives uh, for uh, completion rates, what we call completion rates, which is the number of jobs that they uh, complete. Mm -hmm. um, we would obviously have conversations with certain drivers, and in very rare instances, we would actually ban drivers for short periods of time where they're where they they aren't demonstrating the level of reliability that's needed has that ever happened it's happened on occasion yes Some relatively small numbers yeah what about other metrics that uh, like how many passengers does the company carry um you know how is it doing that from yeah that so so 2018 we carried 16 million passengers um which is obviously you know, so 16 million rides. 16 million passengers in... Uh, As so in 16 million fares. 16, well, it wouldn't be 16 million fares now. So we would have an average lo uh, sort of load factor about 1.5 passengers per, per journey. So we, you can do the math. So we could, we do, okay, yeah. so it's 16 million individual humans carried, carried in taxis. Carried in one of our taxis, yeah. Obviously, most of them carried a multiple amount of time, so it's not 16 million different people. No, obviously, yeah. yeah. So we do have some repeat customers, which is great. A very significant amount. Our customers are very loyal. We have about 540,000 customers that regularly use the service. Um, we have about 12,000 drivers, and that's grown. Last year, uh, we added 2,000, just, just shy of 2,000 drivers to the network. Okay. Um, so both our passenger and driver base are increasing very significantly. Mm -hmm. um, we carried, uh, 2018 was our busiest year ever, up 27% on the previous year. Um, in Q1, this the first quarter of this year, we carried 4.5 million passengers uh, just in three months. So it's very significant growth. And what we're seeing is actually the type of passenger we carry change uh, and evolve over time. So we're carrying more and more business customers. Um, and over the last six, seven months, we've won some fairly significant business, uh, government contracts even, which uh, has allowed us, uh, has given us, I suppose, a new route to growth. What kind of government contracts? HSC accounts, for example, um, court carry. So is that typically where a hospital needs to move something like, I don't know if, if, if it's blood or something else and literally- It's, that it's typically protecting. patients, yeah. So patients? Yeah. Right, yeah. and that would be from a facility to yeah. So maybe, facility. for example, they may need to um, avail of uh, dialysis services or something like that. So there'd be those sorts of contracts. Yeah. So again, I, I think that's testament to the fact we've grown things like you know our wheelchair accessible fleet by seventy percent in the last two years. So we're now about ten percent of our fleet is now wheelchair accessible, um, which has helped us get into those markets. But business generally is also growing very rapidly. In twenty eighteen, we grew our business. Um, a book by 91% year on year, which is phenomenal growth. And what is that down to? And I, I could ask the same question for some of the difficulties and challenges that I've, that I've brought up. Is it because, is it due to a growing population? Is it due to um, growing GDP, lower unemployment? What, what, what are the factors that are causing that? Yeah, so I think underpinning our growth more broadly is um, uh, more and more adoption of just the app itself. So passengers are passengers generally are moving more and more towards mobile applications as opposed to calling up. Correct. Yeah. So there's definitely been some um, some movement towards that, and we can see most of the traditional sort of dispatch operators that we would compete with fiercely in local markets would be moving towards uh, app-based solutions also. Um, so that's certainly one of the one of the major pieces. How, how does that work? If I if I want to call up and book a taxi by phone, I can still do that, right? With us? Oh, you can, of course. Yeah. yeah well, 
many of our competitors would offer that service. We are app only, though. So we, we would only take bookings directly through the app. Right. Or for business customers through a, a service we call WebBooker, which um, allows customer allows business customers to access a desktop-based uh, version of the app um, and pre-book um, taxis in advance and that sort of thing. Mm. We also have a, spe- a specialized hospitality product called Taxi Butler, where uh, literally there's a, a button in the bar restaurant that the concierge or the barman will press and a taxi will come. Um, and that's, spe- that's, that's designed specifically for uh, hospitality customers. Has the number of taxis in Ireland increased or decreased in the last few years? So the number of taxis in Ireland has actually decreased pretty significantly in about the last 10 years by around 23%. But this year is the first year in, in many, many years where we've seen a slight increase in the number of taxi drivers, uh, taxis uh, operating. Um, we have been very successful here in attracting new taxi drivers into the industry. Um, obviously, the NTA uh, provide grants for new taxi drivers, and we supplement those grants with up to a thousand euros of, of bonuses as well. Um, so there has been there has been a slight increase. We've put um, we've we've attracted 500 extra drivers into our network uh, just so far this year, 518 to be exact, um, and about 20% of those have come through what we call the My Taxi Manual, and this is a, uh, a service and a system that's built. Uh, for online uh, online use for new uh, for uh, drivers potential drivers who are coming into the industry for the first time to help them pass the SPSV or small private service vehicle test uh, which is a tricky test um, I have to say um, but one that uh, we, you know we're, we're we're hoping to help as many drivers as we can into the industry because we do need more drivers what is you mentioned the test there to become a taxi driver mm-hmm. how would you assess the regulation of taxis in Ireland and the quality of cars and everything uh, uh, on that level because it's, sometimes it can be confusing. We're told that because we have a regulated industry that the quality is going to be higher generally than uh, countries that have less regular system. For example, in the States, Uber has, you know, Uber and Lyft have basically taken over. That You go to an American city, that's basically what you use. Mm. And it doesn't seem to me that the quality over there is less than the cabs that I was used to taking over there. I know that is an argument that has been made here, but would you, is, is it a fair thing? A lot of Americans, when they come over here, they can't believe that we don't have an Uber-style system, that we're still living in the land of, um, you know, the kind of the, the more old-fashioned taxi system, which doesn't appear really to deliver a much certainly a much higher quality car i mean most of the taxis that i get are at least six years old um some of them are great some of the drivers are great some of them aren't so great uh, you, you know i i don't see it's not apparent where the, the the quality of the regulation is coming through but i'm sure you have a view on well, that. there's a couple of different areas i think we first first thing to say is not only are we um uh, completely abiding by the all the nta mm. uh, regulations in fact all of our drivers have to provide to us, and we keep it on system here. Um, there are various different uh, licensing forms, etc. Um, so that's a minimum requirement. We go beyond that. So obviously, we have a CRM system here that tracks any customer complaints and feedback that we get. And um, we also have a facility for passengers to to rate drivers. Um, and we're always looking for for passenger feedback in that regard to try and improve our service. Um, more more generally, the the concept of ride sharing in an unregulated environment is something that we are obviously against. I mean, it, what it does do is, notwithstanding your own personal experience. It does drive quality standards down. 
it in, increases congestion in, in cities unnecessarily. Like how would it drive equality down, for example? Well, it, it depends on the, the regulatory environment. But, but in, in the, the example you mentioned, you know, the vehicle standards aren't in any way regulated. So mm. you'd end up with you know, just your own personal vehicle, um, which yeah. could be anything. Um, now, so what, it could be the, anything, but in my experience, it's usually a fairly clean, fairly decent car. Um, it's certainly at least as good as the 2012 Skoda Octavia that I just invariably get in Dublin. That's about 40% of the market. About two in every five taxis that I get via Skoda Octavia, and most of them are over five years old. Um, I haven't, this, this is all anecdotal, of course. Yeah. You, you might have figures to, to say otherwise, but. Um, I, I do. I do wonder whether the regulation, whether the the consumer, there are very, there have always been very strong uh, arguments made in terms of a, like a livable wage, for example, for drivers mm -hmm. and fairness for for that constituency. And there, those points are all well, well taken. Um, on the other, on the other side, for the consumer, for the consumer, um, is it not kind of inevitable? And after at a certain point, that that we are going to to go down more the the ride sharing route. I mean, um, free now itself is is introducing as you're you're probably about to tell me now a new ride sharing service within. Well, now, the app I, itself. I think there's a, a little bit of a, um, a clash of naming conventions there, if I will. So, ride sharing is the term that we would use in the industry for unregulated peer to peer um, taxi or not taxi service, non taxi services, so private hire services, uh, similar to the one you described in uh, in in most of the major a lot mm. of the major cities in in the US. Um, so this is where I can just pick up somebody else through an app um, and drive them somewhere for money. Now that's currently illegal in Ireland, and there's mm. good reasons for that to be illegal in Ireland. From not just from a from a from a quality perspective, from a safety perspective, uh, and so on. So I think what what is the safety perspective? Well, the safety perspective is if the drivers in these markets are often unregulated, so mm. there's no there's no uh, knowledge test, like there's no sing, uh, small private service vehicle test a, a lot of the time in those markets. Oh, in terms of the vehicle itself? No, in terms of the driver is so the driver. in terms of the driver so the drivers here have to be guarded vetted they have to pass that SPSV, SPSV test which is, has two components one is a, a sort of a knowledge test which is do you know Dublin do you know Cork mm. and so on um, but also um, they have to uh, know the regulations that, you know, the, the rules that actually pertain to the industry. And, and I think they're both very, very important. In other markets where that isn't uh, the case, there, you know, there is by, you know, almost by definition, there has to be some, some uh, significant variability in terms of quality. Um, I think the other thing you mentioned, vehicle quality. So just before you go into vehicle quality, mm -hmm. I mean, in the safety uh, scenario, the point is well taken, particularly in the States, Two three years ago, there were a significant number of incidents uh, for involving drivers of some of those ride-sharing apps, mm -hmm. and they were well publicised at the yeah, time. In Ireland, we've had situations. We had a, we had a situation in recent months where um, a man was uh, convicted um, of sexual assault, multiple cases. He was a licensed taxi driver. So. Uh, I'm not necessarily trying to pit one off against the other, but I'm just wondering: does it make any difference that the system is more regulated here if we still occasionally well, the, have a driver? The, if I may, the, the answer to that is: I think certainly not to deregulate and remove the rules. It's to probably step them up and ensure that the the, the qualities can be quality can be enforced even further. And certainly, if you want to eliminate that deregulating or removing the regulations, certainly wouldn't be the answer. To I'm that just wondering: be. do they actually deliver on safety? Maybe they don't. 
Um, well, we believe they do, and they okay. certainly help, and they certainly assist in terms of uh, vetting who is driving you and what vehicle that they're driving. Um, what vehicle they're driving. Um, without the guard of vetting, for example, um, that, and a lot of the times in, in other markets where Uber do operate, um, there isn't any ch- background checks on the driver, um, and that's obviously a cons- that would obviously be a concern uh, for for passengers. But in Ireland uh, at the moment, and I think it's a good thing, drivers and their vehicles are vetted. Uh, to ensure that they're meeting the standards set by the National Transport Authority. Mm. Back to my uh, misuse of the word ride-sharing there. Um, What is My Taxi Match? So, soon to be called Free Now Match, um, is a service that we've just launched as part of the new um, Free Free Now brand, um, which is operating in Dublin in two areas. So, first of all, it's operating in Sandyford Industrial Estate and the environs, and its environs. Um, and also in Grand Canal Dock in the sort of digital docklands area. And we've partnered with Smart Dublin, which is a, 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 an initiative um, by Dublin City Council to improve the sort of um, connectivity of the city and decision-making and, 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 uh, uh, and, te- and the technology that's being used to um, inform decision-making. Um, so we're very, very proud of that and very happy to launch with, uh, with them in partnership. What, what essentially the way it works is two passengers who um, select the match service, and there's no obligation to select the match service, it's just another option within the app, um, would put in their uh, destination. Um, and if they're going broadly the same direction, the system will match them up and they can then jump in the back of a, of, of a taxi. Um, that we, we would dispatch to the first person's location. Now, the benefits of that are uh, numerous. So first of all, uh, it uh, improves the capacity of the network uh, of, our, of our fleet, essentially allowing us to carry more passengers. Um, secondly, it, um, it, it should therefore reduce congestion in the city and carbon emissions, etc. Uh, and thirdly, uh, obviously, in, in this scenario where the passenger is sharing the fare, it's cheaper for both parties. Does Uber not call that ride-sharing, no? Uh, no, they call it Uber Pool, I believe. Uber Pool, yeah. But uh, it's it's not a new idea. It's been around for a long time. We've been operating it in Warsaw, in Berlin, mm. in Munich for quite some time. It's been hugely popular with uh, with passengers. Yeah, the I think you've all also called for surge pricing at a at some point, haven't you? Surge pricing uh, during busy times. Uh, well, I mean, I was quoted in the Irish Times as uh, advocating for that. Yes. Yeah. Well, the, the, the principle behind that is, and, and I think we have to ensure that we abide by the NTA regulations, and I think that's very, very, very important. At the moment, that's not permissible under NTA regulations. Right, no, but just in terms of inf- you know, the future of the industry, and you're entitled to your view uh, on that as, as a major player. But if you're advocating or if you, for the future, you want surge pricing, if there is a uh, you know, My Taxi Match, soon to be called Free Now Match, it strikes me that an awful lot of the things that you're trying to move free now in the direction of are features and environments that uh, the likes of uh, Uber and Lyft deploy or enjoy. The only thing that's missing is the more liberal um, environment to be able to pick passengers up, uh, I have to say, at a cheaper cost. So I'm wondering, is it that you're looking for an environment where you want all the benefits but none of the downsides to a competitor like Uber coming in. Well, Uber do operate here. They operate. Yeah, they, they operate. They are operating in Ireland for for some time, actually. Yeah, but um, along it, it's really just it's it's just a a, a bolt on to a traditional taxi service. It's not as you would understand in London or in many European cities or in in the US. That's correct. Uh, as such, um, but is it is that fair? I mean, a cynic might say, well. Uh, my taxi um, 
and Freenow just essentially wants to get the best of what Uber has for its own uh, purposes, but doesn't but wants to keep the likes of Uber out of the Irish market. Well, I think what we're trying to do is offer additional um, alternative routes to to market for our pass or additional mobility solutions for our passengers and for our drivers. That's that's simply it to innovate not just on the technology side, which we've been doing with things like uh, Free Now Match, but also to look at other pricing options. So actually, within my taxi, ma- uh, the my taxi or Free Now Match uh, service that we offer, um, the discounts that are there for that service are pretty significant, even if there isn't somebody matched with you in the car. So we are trying to drive down prices in, 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 in certain areas where we think there's a benefit for the passenger and the driver. Bear in mind the driver benefits from, from match also in that it's typically a much longer fare. Yeah, yeah. The future, uh, according to uh, your corporate owners, is a, there's a stated goal of automated cars. I think uh, Harold Kruger, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, on the management uh, board chair, of BMW, he says, we have a clear vision. These five services, the ones you alluded to earlier, will merge ever more closely to form a single mobility service portfolio with an all-electric, self-driving fleet of vehicles that charge and park autonomously and interconnect with other modes of transport. What does that mean for drivers? 10 years down the line. I mean, the, in, for the foreseeable future, as far out as I can see in Dublin, the we are always going to need taxi drivers. We are always going to need drivers. And how Dublin long when you di- say the foreseeable future? The foreseeable, as far as, as far as I can see into the future, which, you know, let me be, let me be clear. How far can this. you see in the future? <laughs> um, I think in terms of Dublin, Dublin is a, med- let's just use Dublin as an example, yeah. but for you can read the same for Cork and Limerick and, and so on. Mm. Um, the cities are not set up in any way to facilitate autom- autonomous uh, driving in, in any way. Um, and I can't see in any medium or long-term even uh, situation where, where that would be possible. Um, if you imagine trying to get an autonomous vehicle down something like South William Street in Dublin, um, I think that's, uh, it's, it's almost impossible. Uh, the amount of things... Well, now why? Well... <laughs> I suppose, from my perspective, um, if is it because there are cars to be no, parked? Or? Uh, no, I think it's. I think it's literally because. Well, I think first of all, the technology is is, is a long way off. I yeah. think secondly, the regulations would need to change massively to permit kind of pedestrians and autonomous vehicles. But to technically, I mean, we hear every day from the likes of Elon Musk and people that we, we can do it. It's just a question of allowing it to be done. Um, it's it's not just that it's not that simple because you know there, there's a huge number of considerations from insurance to um, yeah there to, are you know to just pedestrian safety to driver oh, safety listen. oh absolutely to, they they, they know, are the big issues but to yeah. take South William Street I'm because that's a good example and I'm trying to imagine South William Street say on a busy Saturday mm-hmm. afternoon chaos right absolute chaos trying yeah. to get a car down there and somebody wants to turn right into the car park and somebody's coming out of another car park and. You know, there, there are lorries stopped, to, to, all that kind of stuff. The thing is, though, if most of those are autonomous vehicles, presumably they take a lot of the chaos out of the situation. Well, right? I mean, the way I would look at that, I'd look at that slightly differently. Um, I'm, I, we don't think about this very much here locally because we're trying to run a business. But your I mean, boss just, does. He's yeah, staying with the state. Well, I mean, he said that there's going to be self-driving fleet of vehicles that charge and park autonomously. Yes, and I'm not, disagree- I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with what he's saying in terms of the long, long, long fut- long-term future. But in any sort of meaningful time frame here in Dublin, Cork, Limerick, Galway, mm. um, I just can't see it. So, like, for example, 
example, um, if I'm a pedestrian, typically what happens on South William Street, if, for, for, the, for yep. your listeners who may not be familiar with it, is there's a, a lot of pedestrians crossing that road um, yeah. between shops. And at the same time... You're replacing you have, them with robots, but go on. Well, maybe. Yeah, um, but uh, at the same time, there's pa drivers trying to get up the road. And yeah. what happens is the um, pedestrian will make eye, eye contact with the driver. And once that mm -hmm. happens, the pedestrian almost uh, has right of way and will step mm -hmm. out. So it can take quite some time for a human driver to get up the road. Now, if a pedestrian sees that it's an autonomous vehicle, um, they will step out every time. Because, because they know the autonomous vehicle is stopped. That's yeah. a fair point. So I think for any, and that's what just back to my, my earlier mm. point, I just can't see it. I just cannot see but it But supposing happen. they do, let's take your example. Supposing they do know that they can manipulate the system with no consequence and they step out every time when they see an autonomous vehicle. Supposing they do that, the net result after a full day of that happening, I wonder would it be any slower? Like, is it that you're saying that the pedestrian is a little bit more reluctant to step out because he or she is looking at the driver and trying to calculate how aggressive they are and maybe they'll run them over, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 well, look, I don't know. I mean, this is, we're yeah. in the realms of utter speculation no, here. But, 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 we are but, in speculation, but, 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 but we're, but, but, like, uh, my point, I, it, it, there is a serious point to all this, yeah, and that is, you know, I think most every single senior player in this entire industry believes we are moving toward a future of autonomous vehicles. And if that is the case, the first sectors of the industry that are going to move to it are things like trucking and, you know, uh, taxi fleets. The, absolutely. The, 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 there's no question about that. So whether it happens in the foreseeable future, it's not going to happen in the next five years. We all it's, know that. It's, and it, I, I think it's going to be something like a little bit like nuclear fusion, which is always sort of 10, 15 years away. I'm not sure it's something that we're going to see. But they've tested these. Like they haven't really, they don't do weekly tests of nuclear fusion. No, I know. Write articles about it. I, I, I'm kind of um, joking to make a point. I mean, there I are actually self-driving taxis in the States at the moment, as, as I understand. Um, there are, I believe, Arizona, some, there are some trials in, uh, trials in Phoenix, I believe. Yeah. yeah. But they're very limited. They're very controlled. It's not uh, mixing generally with open traffic um, as far as I know but I'm not mm. an expert on this I mean as I say the move towards autonomous vehicles for Dublin Cork Limerick is, is many 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 years away and I think we're going to need taxi drivers for the foreseeable future um, just in, in terms of making making the in any, any taxi driver I talk to about this I mean, you might think it's an awkward discussion but actually it's not really I mean they're they're they can see the writing at all they're not stupid they, they read the papers the same as every, everyone else and they can see uh, uh, talk of these trials in Phoenix and Arizona and they can see mm -hmm. what guys like Elon Musk are saying and the general trend this is it is a bit of a hype cycle mm -hmm. but there is a, a germ of truth behind, and there's a lot of money going into the research for these vehicles for all the uh, uh, the sensors so there is but in in, in this market in Ireland there are absolutely like, no plans to even trial autonomous uh, vehicles in Ireland. but if and when that happens surely free now is going to be one of the first companies that would say that it would aspire to be at the forefront of that. Surely. I think there's I think there's many more initiatives and la and product launches to come uh, in advance of that. As I said to you earlier, you would actually I, seed I, ground I, to some other uh, transportation company to to trial that before you guys would. Well, as I say, we've no we've no plans to to trial it here um, at I all. I mean, do you have to be kind of careful in terms of drivers and and upsetting their sensibilities. No, I'm, I'm being completely honest and straight. I mean, I genuinely can't see a time when this will happen in Dublin, Cork, Limerick. Oh, I really can't. I mean, I think the... Well, uh, you're not saying it's not going to happen. It will happen at some point. It may happen in some jurisdictions and some other markets, but... Um, you don't I, think it's going to happen at all in Ireland? I, 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 as I say, I can't see into the future, uh, but as far as I can see into the future, in my view, we're always going to need taxi drivers. Yeah. Very diplomatic. <laughs>
very politically. Well, it's it's honestly, it's honestly my view. I mean, I can't, I just can't, I just can't see, um, uh, you know, f uh, suddenly a fleet of autonomous vehicles appearing. Well, not in suddenly, yeah, you know. But, I think I think if it does happen, it may happen somewhere like Phoenix, Arizona, maybe in Southeast Asia somewhere. But I, it's it's a long way off for Dublin. Well, I spent a week in China a few weeks ago, and uh, I was in Shenzhen, just a quarter from across the border from Hong Kong. And pretty much overnight, they transformed their taxi fleet into electric cars. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of jurisdiction that is. They just make a decision for better or for worse, and it happens. As soon as it's possible for autonomous vehicles, you know that Chinese cities are just going to click their fingers and you will have a fleet of... Uh, so I don't even think it's going to be Phoenix, Arizona. Well, it could, could quite possibly, but as I say, in Ireland, we are focused on delivering for our passengers and for our drivers. And th at the moment, autonomous just doesn't feature in those conversations. Okie doke. <laughs> <laughs> um, you said you have... How, how many drivers do you have at the moment? We have 12,000 drivers in Ireland. 12,000, and yeah. that's, that's actually quite up on... It's up, about, it's up about it's up about 20% year on year and we're we're actually seeing our driver base grow now for the first time on an aggregate basis faster than our passenger base which is why we're able to deliver a better service and our service delivery has been improving our wait times are down about 7% year on year which is which is great uh, to just under three and a half minutes now which is a, which is an average obviously a lot of the time mm. it's faster than that and um, so we we are seeing improved service delivery across the board while, you, while carrying more passengers than we ever have. How do you attract a driver into the ecosystem? Like, what what is the pitch, and who are you? So yeah, so we have a, a service as I mentioned earlier called My Taxi Manual. We use that as our primary primary recruitment tool. So um, there's a few different barriers to getting in, getting into the into the uh, taxi business as it stands. So the first one is passing that test. So we spend a lot of time both um, advertising it um, to try and uh, attract people into the service, um, managing it, and making sure we're we're helping the drivers through that through that system as as efficiently as possible. Um, I'm working with them then to get them on the road. So the second thing is that all new uh, vehicle uh, license plates have to be issued to wheelchair accessible vehicles. Mm. Um, now there are grants available up to 15,000 euros from the NTA Department of Transport and ourselves to try and get electric vehicle um, wheelchair accessible, uh, that's if you combine, sorry, electric and wheelchair accessible grants and our commission together. So um, we're, we're providing grants, we're also providing uh, incentives, fuel discounts uh, through our partner Circle K. Um, and um, pri uh, things like priority uh, priority hours discounts as well for, for drivers. So we try and take as much of the cost and uh, time out of the process as possible. And in terms of a career choice, like when I was a kid, uh, before the industry was somewhat deregulated, you know, a taxi uh, plate would change hands for 70, 80,000 punts, you know, before, before the, you, you remember those days. And I think it was Mary Harney who deregulated it at the time, if, if I'm, uh, if I can remember uh, correctly. But at the time, it was it might be an ex-guard or be public or somebody who had money to spend. It was a considerable investment mm -hmm. at the time. It was the price of a house, essentially a, a taxi plate. Who? Who is it that becomes a taxi driver now? Who do you, who do you pitch to? Who, what, what kind of person is coming in to become a taxi driver? It's a variety of different um, uh, demographics and um, uh, you know people at different life stages. So we have mm. um, we still have some of those ex guards coming yep. in. We still have um, um, uh, you know, people from all diverse range of backgrounds. Um, so there's no one type of 
driver. And one of the things that I, I've learned over the last year and a half in working this business that taxi drivers are a very diverse group of people with um, you know individual priorities and needs. And we try and tailor our services as much as possible to uh, to drivers. So some drivers might only want to work part time. Some might want to work at nights only. Some want to work just during the day. So we try and we try and tailor our, our, our bonuses and so on and offers to, to drivers according to how they want to work because that is one of the main benefits of being a driver, a taxi driver, is that you get to choose your own hours and there's that huge flexibility. In, if you're working full time as a taxi driver, can you make a reasonable living out of it? Um, I think you probably need to talk to some taxi drivers about yeah, that, but yeah. yes, I think you is can. It average, is it average industrial wage? Um, I think, I, which I think is mid-40s now, I think early to mid-40s. It, it really depends on how many hours you're, you're working, well, how many trips, obviously know, how many 40, trips you're 45 taking. 45 hours, 40 it, hours. It depends how many trips you're taking every day and what the average fare yeah. is, you know. So it really does vary. It go, you know, it goes from above that down to well below that, depending on part-time. So there isn't one specific answer to that, unfortunately. It really depends just on the type of driver. just trying to get a sense of in future forget about the automated uh, cars because nobody makes a living out of that um other than the companies like you which you own will own a fleet but of course that's not going to happen in the foreseeable future i know that um but in future the the drivers we talk we talk about their welfare and it is important i'm just wondering is this an industry or career that you can make a living out of? Uh, yeah, well, the fact out? that we've got 12,000 drivers on our books, um, as it were, um, using us every day, every week, every month um, would suggest that. Um, yeah, and the fact that we're growing our driver base rapidly. Um, you know, as I say, last year we attracted nearly 2,000 drivers, 500 in the first quarter this year. It would suggest to me that, yes, you can. Um, but again, uh, maybe one for a, a chat with some taxi drivers on, but the feedback we get from our drivers is generally positive. Obviously nothing, you know, we're, we're not perfect, um, but uh, generally the feedback we get from our drivers is, is pretty positive. And we spent quite a lot of time innovating and a lot of passengers wouldn't recognize or uh, wouldn't realize this, but we have uh, spent quite a huge amount of time and effort uh, innovating on the driver app, which is the app the drivers use, which is different obviously to the passenger app. Things like introducing the going home feature, which allows the driver to tell the system that they're going home We'll try and find jobs for the driver on their way home. Um, things like follow-on tours, which allows the driver to uh, allows the system to present jobs to the driver, knowing where they will be at the drop-off point, which improves the efficiency of of, um, of of their day because they get to put more passengers in the back of their car. So um, we spend a lot of time on those services in in, in the background. It's something that. Um, uh, passengers wouldn't see a whole lot of, but obviously the drivers, generally speaking, um, uh, value those innovations. And we're constantly working to try and deliver new ones. Finally, anecdotally, yourself, it does seem that uh, taxi companies, they're kind of like telecoms companies and broadband companies and TV companies. When somebody is displeased with them, they seem to get almost dis dispro disproportionately loud amount of criticism. You'll see it on social media. Someone will give out yards about it. You're kind of in that category. Um, do you think that is going to get better for you? Or like when you when you see that, when you look at a Twitter stream, for example, and you, you know, you do a search for my taxi, for example, and you see people saying, oh, I ordered this and it didn't turn up or, or, or whatever the case may be. I mean, how does that make you feel? How do you, how do you respond to that? Well, we obviously are never happy 
to get um, negative feedback um, or when on occasion our service doesn't deliver because as a service business and I've spent 25 years mm. in services um, from telco to financial services to now mobility. So you know what I'm talking about. Do, yeah, do you just exactly. get used to it? No, you don't get used to it. Every time it hurts um, and uh, thankfully it's becoming less and less uh, You know, if, um, in terms of negative feedback because as I say we are improving our service all the time and carrying more and more passengers. Do you measure? Do you have in any way of yeah, knowing so that? We, we, we get passenger feedback from the app. We get passenger feedback by email. Uh, we get passenger we get letters sometimes mm. um but but the way we measure it as sort of an on an aggregate basis is through a thing called net promoter score or nps yeah. which we track um on an ongoing basis uh, every month and you know what's what's great to see is despite some of the individual pieces of negative feedback we do have, have a general trend upwards and in fact our net promoter score for passengers is now approaching the levels that uh, halo had back in its heyday to uh, back in 2013 2014 i was kind of thinking of halo because halo did have a very positive brand identity back in the day. I, I remember people it was like nothing people had seen before it was the first time anybody had used an app actually for mm. uh, for ordering a taxi it worked very well and then whether it was because of the pressure of demand or whatever it was it, it has seemed to have been it seemed to have fallen off a lot with uh, with my taxi and uh, so some of the questions I've been asking have been around that and trying mm -hmm. to get to the bottom of that yeah so I think I mean if you if you have to rewind back prior to pre kind of apps let's say um you know people will often remember having to queue at a taxi rank or you know for in some cases hours yep. um and then having or uh, having to walk uh you know maybe for three hours to get home mm -hmm. um and what the, these apps did, what Halo did at the time, was it revolution, revolutionized that mm -hmm. industry. But bear in mind that expectations were at a, were at, were at a, pretty, at a pretty low low mark, low yeah. watermark. Um, and what Halo very quickly did, and then through to my taxi did, was raise those expect, expectations rapidly. So when I look at the, um, the KPR, the key performance indicators of the business, um, and I look across our service delivery, we have never had a shorter wait time, even versus when we first launched back in 2013. And what is that, three minutes or something? Three and a half minutes, just under three and a half minutes. That's the average. Um, that's the average, obviously. It's a, you know, it's a bell curve, and you know, some are obviously a lot are faster than that. Um, we've never carried more passengers. Uh, we've never had a cancellation rate lower than we have now on the driver's side. Um, and so overall, when you look at the metrics that we, that we look at every day, um, it's never actually been better. However, what's happened uh, separately is that rightly consumer expectations have risen so we have got to continue to innovate just to meet those expectations and mm -hmm. um, so i think um there is a little element of maybe looking back through rose tinted glasses at that that period of time just simply because of the expectation level so much lower uh, seven years ago when we first launched um, so what, what we have to do now is continue to innovate and move forward and drive the business forward by bringing new services into the app and that's what free now is all about uh, at the end of the day Okay, well, listen, uh, thank you very much for being on the show, Alan. Appreciate it. Uh, best of luck with uh, the rebrand. That's thank you. Uh, Alan Fox, General Manager of Free Now in Ireland, Free Now, formerly My Taxi. And that's all we have time for this week. So, for me, Adrian Weckler, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent, I'll talk to you next week. Bye bye.